This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Tom Kissingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. That soundbite from the national championship win that the Crimson Tide had over the Georgia Bulldogs was one of the more astounding comebacks and sort of storylines that I remember in college football in quite some time. When Nick Saban had to go in at halftime and reevaluate his entire offensive situation because Jalen Hurts was not getting it done. I mean, they could not move the ball down the field against Georgia. So out comes the true freshman, Tua Tungavailoa, second half of that game. And I mean, it started off a little rocky for him as well. But you know what? Saban stuck with him, and Tua delivered a strike to true freshman Devonta Smith to win that ball game in overtime. And the crazy thing is, before that play, before that clip that we just listened to, Tua had just taken a 16-yard sack to start Alabama's possession in overtime, you know, and and the announcers talked about it. What he couldn't do was take a sack. Now, I want you to go back and watch that play because right then, that's when I knew. I said, this kid is going to be for real. He didn't look rattled. He He didn't look shaken. He didn't look broken. He didn't look scared. He took that sack, got up, straightened his face mask and helmet, and delivered an absolute dime to Devonta Smith to win the national championship game, coming in at halftime as a true freshman. I mean, it was just one of the more incredible things that I had ever seen on a college football field. And listen, listen to what this young kid said at that moment after the game, what he was thinking, what he saw on the field. Listen to this. They, they had split, they had split safety. You know, the safety on, on Devontae's side, on the single receiver side, uh, he, he tried to disguise his coverage um, I tried to look him off. He stayed in the middle. And then I, I went back outside. It was cover two on their side. You know, but he stayed inside. So, I mean, I took a shot downfield and he caught it. 
Congratulations, That was what a true freshman saw on the biggest stage in the biggest game of his career. He's reading the defense. He's manipulating the pocket. He's stepping up and he's delivering a dime. Tua Tungvaloa has been special. He was special. And the injury that took place this past Saturday against Mississippi State is devastating. It's devastating for us college football fans. It's devastating for he and his family, first and foremost, their entire story about how his mom and dad moved down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to be closer to him throughout this process. From that moment in that national championship game against Georgia, people were touting Tua as one of the one of the top prospects coming out for this 2020 draft. I mean, teams had been, you know, tanking for Tua, building this entire narrative around this kid who was the potential number one pick in the NFL draft. Now, injuries happen every single day, every week, every day during practice. But this this injury that he sustained to his hip isn't just a normal run of the mill, oh, he hurt his ankle, he's out in a few weeks, or an ACL tear. This is something that people are are saying that could be career threatening, that he'll be lucky to still you know, get back to a quality of life where he's walking normally and can, can run and do things of that nature. So it is just absolutely devastating that this happened in a game where they were up 28 points against a Mississippi State team that looked like they had no interest in playing football on Saturday. And you can't blame Saban. I know some will say he shouldn't have been in the game, and he probably shouldn't have. But I understand letting your quarterback finish out the half. Some will say he had no business even playing in that LSU game. But you know what? Tua is a warrior. 20 days off of an ankle surgery, he was out there throwing for 400 yards against the LSU Tigers. He's played at less than 100% multiple times in his career in Alabama, and all he does is deliver. And all he's been doing in college since that national championship game against Georgia is delivering. John Parker Wilson, A.J. McCarron, those two quarterbacks have better statistics than Tua in their Alabama career, but they also played all four years. Tua has done phenomenal things, over 7,000 passing yards, over 85 touchdowns through the air in only two and a half seasons of football? He's going to go down as one of the all-time greats, and I, for one, have just been happy and fortunate enough to watch him play because he is truly, truly one of the best quarterbacks that I've seen in my lifetime. Now, from a fantasy perspective, from a Debbie Dynasty perspective, what does this do? And we are just a couple of days removed from this injury, but we've got to start thinking about how this affects what we do, especially in Superflex formats. I think right now there is no question that Joe Burrow should be the 101 in Superflex drafts. Tua was the guy for me. Going into the season, throughout the season, he was the number one pick. I didn't think there was another way that you can go. But now it elevates the stock of, of players like a Joe Burrow, of a Justin Herbert. Jake Fromm, yeah, him as well, even though he had 110 passing yards versus Auburn. Other players like Jalen Hurts, who had a down game, but came back to win it versus Baylor. I think this elevates the stock of all of these quarterbacks while hurting uh, some of the strategic philosophies that some might have had going into drafts this this rookie draft season upcoming. Would I fault somebody for saying, Joe Burrow, one-year wonder, we see how that played out with Mitchell Trubisky. I'm going to take DeAndre Swift at the top of my draft, even in super flex formats. I think we'll see that happen. I think we'll see 
the potential for Jonathan Taylor or whoever the first running back drafted in the NFL draft or maybe that running back who lands on the Kansas City Chiefs or Indianapolis Colts if they decide to go that direction. Could I potentially see that happening over the selection of a Joe Burrow? Even though in Superflex formats, you want to have three, right? You want to at least have three quarterbacks. And conventional wisdom and the right thing to do would be to draft that quarterback. But it just really, the implications that it has. And from an NFL team perspective, you know, teams that were quote-unquote tanking for two or busting for Burrow, after, after Joe is gone, you know, will the Dolphins reach for a Justin Herbert high? What, what happens in the NFL draft? This injury affects a lot of things, and that's what we have to talk about. And while players like Jalen Smith, linebacker out of Notre Dame, currently the Dallas Cowboys, they said when he injured his knee versus Ohio State, it was career-threatening, it's done. He's got drop foot. He'll never be able to move the same. Jalen Smith is one of the better metal linebackers in the NFL. He had to work hard for it. I think no matter what the prognosis is, I am no doctor, but I would assume that if Tua can come back and make a recovery, this upcoming next NFL season is going to be a redshirt year for him. I just don't see him getting on the field or at least being a factor on a team's offense. So you're drafting Tua maybe at value. You know, this 2020 NFL season might be a redshirt year for him, but then going into 2021, if he can make that recovery, if he can get back on the field, and even if Tua turns out to be 80% of what we projected him to be, I believe that 80% of Tua Tungvaloa is still a top 32 quarterback in the world. Now, Saturday was not all doom and gloom. There were some dynamic performances from some of the top college football players in the nation, some of which whom will be in our 2020 drafts and some that are 2021 and 2022 eligible. And I want to start with the LSU Tigers and quarterback Joe Burrow. He was 32 for 42, 489, five TDs. He did toss two interceptions, also added nine carries for 26 yards. Now, what I like about Burrow is he is an athletic quarterback. He can move around in the pocket. I am not a fan of that traditional statute quarterback that can just stand back there and deliver accurate passes but have absolutely no mobility. I want my quarterback to be able to move. If things break down, you have to be able to make plays with your legs. Now, nobody is going to mistake Joe Burrow for Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick or Kyler Murray, but if there is trouble in the pocket, he can move and make things happen with his legs, evidenced by those 26 yards. Now, the man that he's throwing the ball to, Justin Jefferson had himself a game, nine receptions, 112 yards, and two TDs. But somebody that I really want to talk about is Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase has been on an absolute tirade this season. And in this game versus Ole Miss, he was unstoppable. Eight receptions, 227 yards, and three touchdowns. One more time, eight receptions, 227, and three I mean, there was nothing, and I mean nothing, Ole Miss could do with Jamar Chase. He did whatever he wanted to whomever he wanted, and it just looks easy. He's big. He's fluid. He's dynamic. He's explosive. He's fast. He's got strong hands. He has everything that you're looking for in a dominant number one alpha wide receiver, and I think it's time to have the conversation about him being the number one rated wide receiver in the 2021 class. Now, I love Rondell Moore. I believe that Rondell Moore is a dynamic, I'm not going to use the word generational, but that level type talent at the wide receiver position. I think he 
his skill set, his explosion, what he did as a true freshman in the Big Ten cannot go understated. But Rondell Moore isn't playing right now, which gives us an opportunity to scout and really dive into some of these other players. And Jamar Chase is somebody who jumps off the screen every single time you turn on an LSU game. So let's just look at some of his season stats overall. In nine games, Chase has 56 receptions, 1,116 yards, and 13 touchdowns. Last year as a true freshman, in 10 games, he had 23 receptions for 313 yards and three TDs. So he has just blown his production out of the water, and he still has a couple of games left, plus whatever he's going to put up in the playoffs. I mean, I, I just, at six foot one, 200, 205 pounds, he has the look of a dominant number one wide receiver, whereas Rondell Moore is considerably smaller than Jamar Chase. Now, Shorter and he weighs less, but he, he, he is a dynamic athlete. And for those of you who sort of forgot uh, what Rondell Moore uh, did his freshman year of college, let me just sort of reiterate those stats for you. In 13 games, he had 1,258 yards on 114 receptions, 12 TDs. He also added 23 carries for 213 yards and two touchdowns on the ground, but we're not done there. On punt and kick returns, he had 662 yards and kick return yards. And in punt returns, he had 12 for 82. So he was an all-purpose weapon for the Purdue Boilermakers before he went out with a knee injury. It was a hyperextended knee earlier this season. So there's no point in him playing anymore, even if he could come back. What's the point? Purdue's not going anywhere. They're not winning anything. But Rondell Moore is 5'9", and that's Purdue's listing. So if he checks in at 5'8", 5'8". I'm not, uh, you have to take that into consideration. I do not think that's going to limit his NFL output, what he could do at the next level. But when you're just looking at these players standing side by side, Jamar Chase is dynamic as well. He's not as twitchy as Rondell Moore, but I do believe it's time that we've had the conversation about Ron, about Jamar Chase. If Chase was in the 2020 draft, he would probably be Right there up there with CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy for me, whether that's wide receiver one or two, he would be one of the top rated wide receivers in the 2020 class bar none. So just for those of you who have Jamar Chase on your rosters already, congratulations, because I know you didn't pay first round price. You probably didn't even have to pay second round draft capital to get him. So congratulations to you. You have a future stud on your hands. Now let's go down to Oklahoma and talk about Chuba Hubbard. He had another good game, 122 rushing yards, two TDs. He actually caught the ball quite well in this one. He had two receptions for 40, 42 yards. So just continuing to, to do what Chuba Hubbard does. And I don't know, I have no clue what he's going to do as far as declare or stay in. I, I would assume the best thing for him to do would be to come out. But with Tylen Wallace coming back, Spencer Sanders is going to be a true sophomore next year. I can definitely see Chuba returning. But it would I would love for him to be a part of this 2020 class. Now, Brock Purdy from Iowa State, I want to talk about him a little bit because he is just popping off of the screen every time you turn on a Cyclones game. And let me tell you something, he is fun to watch. When you're talking about 2021 eligible quarterbacks, you've got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, however you want to slice it. After that, it's Brock Purdy. He was 30 for 48, 354 yards, two TDs and one interception. Hey, and what he does every game is he gives you a couple of yards on the ground as well. He's an athletic quarterback, 
but just his moxie, his makeup. This guy was rolling out to the left, stops, sets his feet, squares his shoulders up, and delivers an absolute dime across the field to a wide receiver about 50 yards down the field. I, I think next year we're going to be talking about Brock Purdy as a, as a first-round NFL pick. So, you know, when you're looking at this 2020 class of, of quarterbacks, if, if, if Burrow or Herbert or Jake Fromm or Jordan Love, if he comes out, I'm hearing rumors that he's going to come back and tr- do a grad transfer and be a fifth-year senior. I think the 2021 class is shaping up to be a pretty pretty good-looking class from the quarterback position. And speaking of quarterback position from 2021, Justin Fields, 15 for 19. Only had to throw the ball 19 times versus Rutgers. Had 305 yards, four TDs. He also added 30 yards on three carries. He's my quarterback one in the class. The 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 tremendous athleticism that he gives you from the pocket, throwing the ball and running the ball, that's the cheat code that I want for fantasy. And in Dynasty, I will bank on that opposed to just the the traditional pocket passer, which Trevor Lawrence is not that. He actually is quite athletic, and he he did a little bit of running in this game on Saturday, this past Saturday, and took a took a pretty nasty hit for it. Was limping off on the sidelines. They said he had a bruised knee, but he had a fantastic game as well. Twenty one for twenty seven, two seventy two, and four TDs. Clemson's rolling now. They're hitting on all cylinders, and one of the more underrated wide receiver prospects in the 2020 class for me is T. Higgins. Six foot four, 205 pounds. He had four catches for 64 yards and three touchdowns. Travis Etienne added 121 and one on the ground. Only had to run the ball 16 times. Didn't carry it in the fourth quarter, I believe. I, I mean, they're just rolling teams. There's no point. But when you're talking about T. Higgins, a lot of people are leaving him out of their top five or even their top eight. I'm seeing Higgins ranked for some. You know, outside of the top 10 in the 2020 class, that's ridiculous. T. Higgins can run the full route tree. He's got that big body. He's explosive after the catch. His catch radius is outstanding. Higgins is a top five wide receiver prospect in the 2020 class for me right now. Right up there with um, Minnesota wide receiver Tyler Johnson, who just... He's he's another one of those guys that just, like I said about C.D. Lamb, he doesn't look that fast, yet when he's on the field, he's just making plays. He's one of the best route runners in the class. He had an outstanding sideline grab in this one uh, for a touchdown, nine receptions, 170 yards, and one TD. Minnesota fell this weekend to Iowa, but but Tyler Johnson has just been on a tear these past couple of weeks, comfortably with inside my top five of wide receiver prospects for the class. And just since I keep talking about it, who are my top five in the class? It's Jerry Judy, it's CeeDee Lamb, it's T. Higgins, it's Tyler Johnson, and it's Jalen Rager, and not in that order. That's just the, the way they came to my mind. But those are the top five for me. And then you've got players like Henry Ruggs falling, falling right in. After those top five guys. So again, Tyler Johnson, T. Higgins, Jalen Rager, Jerry Judy, and CeeDee Lamb are my top five wide receivers in the 2020 class. Minnesota also has another fantastic sophomore wide receiver, uh, Rashad Bateman, six for 98 in this one. And he just looks like next year he is going to explode. I mean, he already had a breakout last year as a true freshman dominator rating as high as it was. I believe it was over 30%, and that's what Tyler Johnson commanded majority of the targets and touchdowns. But Rashad Bateman is right up there. I, I have him outside of my top five in 2021 right now, but that's not an indictment on Rashad Bateman. It's just a testament to how good that 2021 class of wide receivers is. And I've likened it to, uh, to 2020. I, I like it more than 2020, especially at the top. I think it's some outstanding talent at the top of 2021 for the wide receiver prospects. Now, let's go to Alabama. And I just wanted to give it a little bit of time between the two a segment to talk about Alabama because 
one of the most impressive players that I've seen in college football over the past couple of weeks is Alabama running back Najee Harris. In this game versus Mississippi State, he only had 17 carries for 88 yards, but three tough you know, goal line inside the 10 touchdowns. He also caught three balls for 51 yards and another receiving touchdown. Najee Harris is really, really, really making it difficult for me to not have him in the top five running backs in the 2020 class. I mean, what he's doing out of the backfield, picking up tough yards, showing that lateral quickness and agility. And I don't know if I mentioned this on my last show, but Matt Griffith, one of my co-hosts on the Debbie Happy Hour, compared him to former St. Louis Rams and Atlanta Falcons running back Steven Jackson. And coming out of Oregon State, they really do remind me of each other. He reminds me of a Steven Jackson type runner, a, a big physical running back that can bang between the tackles, but has enough lateral agility and wiggle and quickness to make moves in the backfield, to make moves in the hole, to make defenders miss at the second level. And then you can also deploy him on passing routes on third down. You don't have to take Najee Harris off the field, just like you didn't have to take Steven Jackson off of the field. Jackson was a bigger back, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 230, 240 pounds. That is Najee Harris, six foot two, 230 pounds, and he's probably going to test pretty well at the NFL Combine. So I believe Najee Harris's stock is continuing to rise as somebody who was outside of the top 10 for most amongst 2020 eligible running backs. He's done a fantastic job this season of just, you know, continuing to, to perform slow and steady, but he's coming on like a freight train, and I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Najee Harris. Jerry Judy in this contest had seven receptions, 114 yards. And Devonta Smith, who I'm starting to see get a lot of first-round NFL draft love, had six receptions for 92 yards. Henry Ruggs didn't do much in this one. Really concerned about Ruggs at the next level. I think he's going to be a better pro player than he is a college player because of the sheer amount of, of target volume and target talent on that Alabama team. But, you know, he he hasn't been able to, to dominate there on the Crimson Tide team. So I'm, I'm I'm just concerned about his ability to be an alpha at the next level, which everyone can't be an alpha. He may be best suited as a number two or number three, but Henry Ruggs didn't do much in this contest. Now, let's move on to another SEC team, the Georgia Bulldogs, who I was very unimpressed with overall from an offensive standpoint. DeAndre Swift, 17 carries, 106 yards. He looked good in the opportunities that he had. He always makes some plays, makes a play or two every game where you're just like, wow, that is why. He's the wide receiver, the running back one in this class. But Jake Fromm, just another underwhelming performance. I know people look at the box score and see three touchdowns. I believe 50 of his 110 yards came on one play. He was 13 for 28 for 110 and three. And a lot of people will say, well, Auburn's defense, tough SEC battle. It, it was in Auburn. I expect more out of Jake Fromm. I mean, out you take that 150-yard play away, he goes 12 for 27 for, you know, 60 yards. That's, hey, he might be a very capable NFL quarterback to, to allow a team to win games. But for fantasy purposes, I'm just not seeing it. I'm not buying into it. I'm sorry. I'm just not there with Jake Fromm. But to his injury, what does that do? That elevates players like Jake Fromm. So I'd be very surprised if he didn't declare for the 2020 draft. Now, I didn't talk about this running back because I wanted to make sure it wasn't just, I wasn't being prisoner in the moment. I wasn't just overreacting to the performance that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had versus Alabama a couple of weeks ago. 
And he didn't let me down in this contest versus Ole Miss, all right? 23 carries, 172 yards, a touchdown, four more receptions for 22 yards. CEH is the real deal. He is a real deal running back prospect. He should be in everybody's top 10 for the 2020 class. He is a perfect blend of that compact size, power, speed, and what's really impressive about him is his ability to pick up the blitzes on third down. I, I, they don't pull him out to sub in a bigger back to pick up those blitzing linebackers when Burrow's got to deliver. CEH can stay in the backfield and absolutely smash. So I think he is. I think he's rising up, and, and I can see him being a day two pick in the NFL draft. And if that happens with that type of draft capital, with his talent, with his short area agility, I uh, I'm doing my prospect play videos on DLF now. Uh, they allow me a little more time than the two minute and twenty second time limit that Twitter allows. So I'm 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 transitioning those to DLF. I'm going a little more in depth with the prospects. And the first one that I did was on Clyde Edwards-Helaire and his short area agility, his vision, his burst, and his receiving his receiving uh, acumen out of the backfield is just something that really excites me from a next level perspective. So CEH, another game of domination, comfortably inside my top 10 for the 2020 class. Zach Moss, not a big fan of Zach Moss overall, but 17 for 127 and two, four receptions for 73 yards. He looked good in that in that game versus Utah. Utah's making that push to try to sneak inside of that college football playoff. And I know a lot of people out there like Zach Moss. I'd bet money that Zach Moss doesn't run faster than 4-7 at the combine. He looks slow. Very slow. And I know that 40-yard dashes aren't everything, but you have to be able to get around somebody in order to make plays at the next level. I'm just not a fan of Zach Moss. Not my cup of tea, but for those of you out there who are, he had a very good game this past weekend uh, for the Utah Utes. As did the man Jonathan Taylor. JT. I'm not going to be surprised when JT is the first running back drafted in the NFL draft. He had 25 carries, 204 yards, two TDs. I mean, he's just, it's death taxes and Jonathan Taylor rushing for a lot of yards. You know, there were a couple of weeks in there where he looked human and by human, he had 110 yards. He had, you know, 90 yards, whatever it was. But he just continues to do stuff like this and look dominant and, and fast and fluid. He had an amazing one-handed grab that he actually fumbled on the play after he caught the doggone ball. Uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, he hadn't fumbled much. That was a problem for him early in his career. But just as a pure runner, uh, he's just so smooth. He's so good. I saw some people, there were some comparisons out there floating around. Uh, he still reminds me of Nick Chubb. That's what I see when I watch JT play. So Jonathan Taylor, hell of a game for him. UT, gosh, that was a big miss for me. Just, uh, you know, I thought they would end up winning the Big 12. They were my, Sam Ellinger was a dark horse candidate for me to win the Heisman Trophy. Um, they just have not gotten it done this year. But Devin DuVernay, another nine catches, 107 yards. He did accept a senior bowl invite, so it'll be good to see him down there with what looks like going to be a good group of seniors performing. So I'm still high on Devin DuVernay and his his long-term outlook on an NFL franchise team. So good, good game by DuVernay. Uh, let's talk about Seth Williams a little bit. You know, we talked about Rashad Bateman and Jamar Chase. One of the forgotten men in the 2021 class is Seth Williams, and he had 13 grabs in this contest versus Georgia for 121 yards. Bo Nix threw the ball 50 times for 245 and one. He also ran the ball in uh, 42 times, 42 yards. He had a touchdown in that contest. But Seth Williams, prototypical size, you know, 6'3", 
225, 230 pounds. He's fast. He's quick. He's got an outstanding catch radius. He's one of those guys where when you're talking about 2021 wide receivers, right off the hip, if I'm just saying who are, you know, my top, you know, top couple of guys in that class, you've got to go Rondell Moore, Jamar Chase, Justin Ross is right up there. If Sage Sherratt doesn't declare he's there, I'm a little bit lower on Jalen Waddle as a wide receiver prospect. He you know, he, he's playing on a team where he's clearly the fourth fiddle in that Alabama offense, but we'll see next year with the potential for all three of those guys, Judy, Smith, and Ruggs declaring for the draft. We'll see if um, if Jalen Waddle can ascend and, and take that step up and be a dynamic number one. So I wouldn't have him up there yet, but Rashad Bateman, Amon Ross St. Brown, they're right up there. If Tylen Wallace can come back from his ACL injury, you've got Tylen Wallace in that class. I mean, this 2021 class, Chris Olave out of Ohio State has been looking good. So, I mean, it, it could get, it, it could be very, very interesting come next season when you're talking about those wide receivers up at the top. So, Seth Williams, 13 for 121. Bo Nix looking like he's going to be a stud here in the next couple of years, 2022 eligible. Good game overall for for a lot of these wide receivers this week in college football. Much like the NFL, when you're looking at players who have had down seasons and you try to buy low on Tyler Boyd, you buy low on Joe Mixon and that Cincinnati Bengals offense because we know that somebody, whether it's Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, with a new quarterback coming in, with some of those injured offensive linemen returning for the next uh, 2020 season, that that offense should improve. You've got to buy low on some of these college prospects. And for the 2020 class in particular, I told you, I'm going to hit you with 2020 hard because after the season is over, it's done. I'm on to the next. So if, if I were going to say five buy low players in 2020 when you're entering your rookie drafts where we stand right now after 12 weeks of the college football season, I've got to start with Jalen Rager. Wide receiver out of TCU, 5'11", 195 pounds. Still, for me, one of the top five wide receivers in the 2020 class, but a lot of people are dis- have been disappointed by his performance this year. Just let- let's listen to some of his receiving numbers on the season. 71 yards, 29 yards, 2 yards, 15 yards, 8 yards, 55 yards, 83 yards, 69 yards. His highest yardage output on the season is 128 yards, and that was three weeks ago. On the season, he's only got 554. He's got five TDs, 36 receptions. A lot of people were expecting way more from Rager after 2018 when he had over 1,000 receiving yards. It's just not happening this season for him, and a lot of people have soured. If I were you, I would buy low on Jalen Rager. Let him slide down. If he goes anywhere past pick eight in your rookie, rookie, in your rookie draft, your 2020 rookie draft, you need to be grabbing Jalen Rager. I'm just telling you right now, this kid is dynamic, he's explosive, but I have a feeling that once he gets to the NFL combine, he's going to crush all of the running drills, the agility drills, he's going to crush those. He was a national, uh, had one of the nation's longest long jumps in high school, so he's going to crush the broad jump, he's going to crush the vertical jump, he is going to smash player profilers. So Jalen Rager, right now, if you can buy him in a Debbie league, buy low on Jalen Rager. And I think it's appropriately, uh, it's time to buy LaVisca Chenault. I think his price is appropriate now. I was never on him as a top five pick in the 2020 class. I was never on him as a top two, top three wide receiver. But he's had a dip in production this season. I mean, some of his 
numbers, 31 yards, 48 yards, 23 yards, 16 yards, 46 yards, 70 yards. His highest receiving yardage output was nine receptions for 172 and one versus USC three weeks ago, the same as Jalen Rager. So on the season, he's only got 621 uh, receiving yards, 45 receptions. He's still battling with some injuries. I think now is the appropriate time and his price is appropriate to buy low on LaVisca Chenault. Michael Pittman Jr. This senior has been on a tear this season and nobody is talking about him. You know, when I started looking at my top 10, I was trying to find a way to get Michael Pittman Jr. in there. But I mean, he's he's got NFL pedigree. His father played in the NFL. He's 6'4", 220, 225 pounds, rocked up. Fast, outstanding catch radius, and versus Cal last Saturday, 11 receptions, 180 yards, and one TD. That's back-to-back games with over 100 rece- 140 receiving yards, over 10 catches. I mean, he had 156 versus Colorado, 232 versus Utah earlier this year. Michael Pittman, I mean, ele- over 1,100 receiving yards, over 80 grabs, 9 TDs. He's somebody that you need to be trying to acquire next year, and I think he's a player who's not going to go within the top 24 picks of your rookie draft. So Michael Pittman Jr., uh, he has elevated his draft stock a ton this year. As had as has Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver out of Arizona State, this past Saturday versus Oregon State, ten receptions, 173 yards on the season. He's pushing a thousand. He's got 964, seven TDs. He's also a dynamic kick returner. Speed, speed, speed is the name of the game for Brandon Ayuk. Somebody again, much like Michael Pittman. He's somebody that's not going to go in the first within the first 24 picks of your rookie draft, so you could acquire him at a relatively cheap cost. And if you have, if you're in a league that Brandon Ayuk is rostered, which if you are, screenshot me that because I highly doubt that is uh, that is the case. But he's somebody that you need to be targeting in your rookie drafts next year. Wide receiver out of Arizona State. And the final player that I'm going to talk about is one of the more polarizing prospects in this entire 2020 class. He plays at a Power 5 school. He just had an amazing comeback win this Saturday. It's Jalen Hurts, quarterback from Oklahoma, and so many people are down on Hurts. His performance versus Baylor was terrible. He turned the ball over. He threw an interception. He had two fumbles. He was no good. Jalen Hurts was 30 for 42, 71% completion percentage for 297 yards and four TDs through the air. He did have one interception. He also ran the ball 27 times for 114 yards. I mean, I don't want my quarterback running as much as he did, but this kid is put together. He is very, very thick. At six foot two, I believe they said he was closer to 225 pounds, and he's got that speed. You know, I I saw somebody tweet that he is their QB1 in the 2020 class because he offers you that rushing floor and the game in the NFL is changing. So if there are people out there who are panicked on Jalen Hurts, he's somebody that I'm trying to get. He's still on the season, has over 3,000 passing yards. He only has five interceptions to 28 TDs, 73% completion percentage. We talk about Joe Burrow and his completion percentage is at, you know, close to 80, which is ridiculous. Jalen Hurts is completing the ball at a high rate as well. His quarterback rating is still high, 209.1. So I, I, I'm not I'm not as concerned about Jalen Hurts as others. And if he is sliding, especially in Superflex leagues, he's somebody that I would try to pick up in the second round of rookie drafts. I still think he's going to be at least a day two pick. I do not see him falling out of day two in the NFL draft. So those are just a couple of my buy low prospects off of week 12 of the college football season.
All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Destination Debbie Podcast. If you have yet to subscribe to the DDP, please do so. And if you are listening on Apple iTunes, if you can leave a rating and review, I'd greatly appreciate it. I may have another episode coming out this week, another mailbag strategy show. See if I can get Joe Namora on again. He did a great job on episode 31. If you haven't checked that out, please go back and listen to that show. Get some strategy for your Debbie Dynasty teams. But other than that, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Stay safe, be blessed, and you know what's next. Next, drop the music.